It's 930 in 716. With regard to the Buffalo police shooting death of Rafael Pito Rivera, the Erie County District Attorney says... Based upon all the facts that I have uncovered here and, and the thorough investigation was done, um, I have made the decision uh, that... Um, This was a justifiable shooting by the police officer. There are going to be no charges against the police officer involved. And from my end, this matter is closed. Not so fast, says the family attorney. We have not found anyone, not a single person, who who views that video and who has concluded that at the time that Pito Rivera was shot dead, that the officer who did the shooting was in any danger. And the way these decisions are made is a changing. You know, the whole world has changed with uh, text messages and emails and cameras and cell phones and so on. A lot of things have changed. I'm Tim Wenger on 930 and 716. Erie County District Attorney John Flynn announcing there will be no charges pressed against the Buffalo police officer involved in the September shooting death of Rafael Pito Rivera on Plymouth Avenue in Buffalo. The shooting, which happened on September 12th, was considered a justified one by the DA because Rivera had a weapon and made a turning motion toward the officer near the Push Buffalo offices on Plymouth Avenue. Uh, First of all, uh, the uh, police officer in question here, who I will call the officer, uh, gave three statements. Flynn went into some lengthy explanations Monday and detailed the evidence which led to his decision to not file charges. He gave a brief uh, statement uh, shortly after the incident occurred while he was at ECMC. Uh, Anytime an officer um, is involved uh, in in any kind of an officer-related shooting or incident, the Buffalo Police Department takes the officer to ECMC to make sure that they're okay. And while he was at ECMC, he gave a verbal, uh, oral, a quick dissertation back to the homicide folks at BPD as to what happened just so they could assess the scene and assess the situation there uh, on the spot. Uh, After that, he gave a signed statement to the Buffalo police homicide detectives who were investigating the case approximately a month after the shooting. And third, we brought him into our office here uh, and Colleen and John uh, spoke to him along with my head uh, uh, investigator, uh, uh, Joe Riga, uh, and that interview was tape recorded. Uh, All three statements that the officer gave were consistent and pretty much the same. But just so you know, the officer did give three statements. Uh, Second, uh, there were a number of police officers who arrived at the scene, but there were four police officers who were actually running behind the officer in question here and actually heard what happened. They didn't really see what happened, and I'll explain in the map why, but they heard kind of what happened. They, they heard the officer's commands. They heard the gunshot, and all four of those officers gave a statement. There were five, well, there were six civilian witnesses in total. There were five civilian witnesses who were uh, involved in what occurred before the shooting who were at either 197 Massachusetts or 195 Massachusetts, the house next door. Uh, 
these five uh, uh, civilian witnesses, one of them was the girlfriend of the deceased, and the other four had a connection to the girlfriend of the deceased. All five of those uh, uh, civilian witnesses were questioned. Uh, four were cooperative. Uh, one chose not to make a statement. But the four who did give a statement, uh, we have those statements. There was an eyewitness to the shooting, a civilian eyewitness to the shooting, who was a security guard who was sitting in a car in the parking lot there at 429 Plymouth Avenue. That security guard gave two statements. He gave one to the Buffalo Police Department, and then we brought in that eyewitness and interviewed him here ourselves. So he gave two statements. Again, both of those statements were dead-on consistent and had virtually little or no discrepancies at all. I mentioned the autopsy report. Uh, the autopsy report um, and the toxicology results that were included were obviously reviewed. A gun was found uh, a few feet from the deceased body lying on the ground uh, there in the parking lot of 429 Plymouth Avenue. Uh, that gun was uh, given basically two examinations. One, there was a DNA analysis done on the gun to determine who had handled that gun. And secondly, there was an operability report done on that gun to determine whether it was working or not, whether it was operable, how many bullets were in it, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and that report was done, and that report was reviewed by me as well. We disagree strenuously with the district attorney's assessment of this case. Attorney Steve Cohen represents the family of Rivera. We believe that any fair viewing of the video shows that Pito Rivera was shot in the side and in the back while he was running away from police officers, that he did not pose an, any kind of an immediate threat to any police officer or anyone else for that matter. Do you think, in your view of how the video took place, do you think your view is is obvious or blatant, or is there, uh, is there gray area? Do you kind of see where I'm getting with that? We have shown this video to many law enforcement officers, many experts, many um, people in the media. We have not found anyone, not a single person, who, who views that video and who has concluded that at the time that Pito Rivera was shot dead, that the officer who did the shooting was in any danger. And I extend this offer to you as well, sir. Anytime you want to come down and take a look at the video. Are you in any way accusing the district attorney of lying about his findings? I, I, this district attorney doesn't lie, okay? I, I have known uh, Mr. Flynn for some years, and uh, he's not a liar. But uh, uh, the, the homicide bureau chief who made the determination in this case has decided to protect the officer. They've put their wagons in a circle. So I, I know it was the district attorney who made the announcement, but, uh, you know, I, I believe that... Uh, that there are members of law enforcement who, as, as I've been, I've been a civil rights lawyer for thirty years. He is an American citizen of Puerto Rican descent, Mr. Rivera, and uh, I have found time and time and time again that 
such individuals, such uh, members of the minority community, um, are often the victim of violence that gets covered up. And uh, I'm going to see to it that there's a thorough investigation and that people are ultimately held accountable. So what is you, so is that your next step um, as this as this progresses? Absolutely, uh, we're we're doing that now. We have the district attorney's office has claimed that he was shot in the the front. Uh, I'm going to be distributing color photographs of of entry bullet entry wounds into the back uh, to the media. They can see for themselves. And I'm going to be asking the New York State Attorney General and possibly the United States Attorney to take a look at the facts of this case to uh, to, to see whether these officers that that police officer should be held accountable. So obviously, in your mind, this determination um, of the charges, no charges being filed, is far from over. Far from over, and we have filed, we have served a notice of claim. We will be commencing a civil lawsuit against the Buffalo Police Department, the City of Buffalo and against the, the specific police officer. Okay. Um, do you Are you aware of any organized protests um, in response to the decision not to charge uh, the police officer? I'm not, but I would certainly hope that there would be some peaceful protests. Uh, this is uh, an abomination of justice. It is abhorrent. Um, when I see people, anybody, being shot and killed wrongfully, I'd like to see justice done. Um, I have uh, uh, seen far too many people, especially minorities, um, shot and killed by police officers only to have it swept under the, pub, uh, the table. And can you just briefly mention the family's reaction to the announcement today? They uh, obviously broke down and cried. The district attorney was good enough to um, inform the family prior to the press conference at 11, uh, about an hour before, and uh, the, the family was very, very distraught. All right. Is there anything else that you'd like to add that uh, you know myself or the public should know? That I was not given access to the uh, body to inspect it. I was not given access to the autopsy report, even though the autopsy was, uh, was performed on September 14th. We were not given access to um, the reports which have been circulated through the district attorney's office to this uh, even to this day, uh, from September 12th to this day. Still haven't uh, seen an autopsy report, and uh, when those kinds of facts are hidden from me, uh, it raises questions. I have been asking for information on the firearm that was allegedly recovered at the scene, even though the video does does not show with any. Uh, uh, certainty that there was a firearm at the scene. They have not shown me photographs of it. They have not uh, given me any facts about it. They have not given me any fingerprint reports on it. So when it's a righteous shoot, I get all the information up right up front. When it's not a righteous shoot, I get a runaround. I feel like I've gotten a runaround. Some legal perspective now on the decision by the DA. Well, I think that, um, you know, we heard some explanations about the facts on that before and that it was justified under the penal law. Our legal guy, Paul Cambria, weighing in on this case and others where surveillance, body cam, and video evidence are changing legal outcomes. Uh, You know, there is a provision in there that allows for um, deadly force to be used if uh, police officers are assaulted. Um, And uh, obviously the district attorney was satisfied that, um, you know, all those facts 
uh, were in place to uh, make it a, a justified uh, justified shooting. So that's uh, you know that's the decision that uh, the DA makes after they do all the investigation. How vital, Paul, is surveillance video? Like in this particular case, there was a camera on a school that that caught this. Right. Well, I think that, you know, the whole world has changed with uh, text messages and emails and cameras, cell phones and so on. A lot of things have changed. Uh, You know, we have another case that uh, I was reading about also where there was a camera on a police officer and it may change exactly how that case comes out. So, you know, that's the technology of today. And these cameras kind of becoming more and more prevalent. In this case, uh, the police shooting, we saw uh, a camera taken from, uh, looks like one of those blue cams, a kind of uh, one from uh, high above. You kind of see a full view of what's going on. In a different case, we're talking about a body camera. This uh, Erie County Sheriff's deputy who was wearing a body camera in the case of a uh, person who was arrested at a Bills tailgate. And what we see unfold is almost everything. But there are some gaps in between uh, where this camera picks up, where it leaves off. Um, do you notice maybe some problems in those gaps or the fact that you know maybe those gaps can be filled by other video? How complicated is that at times to put together uh, on both sides? Well, and it may very well be that the gaps are filled by testimony of the officers or the other people. Uh, you know, we used to uh, have situations like that when there were recordings, when they'd record conversations, whether it be wiretap or whatever. And if there were gaps, you know, that leaves room for people to say, well, it's not a complete story. You haven't heard it all. Here are the other things that happen. And so, you know, that camera will be a uh, an important thing here. Uh, but if there are gaps, then there's room to say that other things happen that may uh, determine the outcome of the case. Have you, are you familiar with this case, with this Bills fan, uh, the UB student? And because of this body cam video, Paul, do you think he might have a good case? Well, you know, that's going to be the question. He says, I was just inquiring, you know, where you're taking my friend, this sort of thing. And the police officers are saying that, uh, you know, he did some other things that justified uh, what they did. Now, the question is, are there gaps there? If there are no gaps, then, you know, that's going to be uh, a lot easier for the DA to analyze and say, well, here it all is. And uh, if the DA finds that false statements were made, then there'll be issues. You know, we're seeing that some of these gaps now are being filled up by uh, witnesses, whether it's photos or video taken by people who were in the area, because there were, you know, obviously a lot of people in that uh, tailgating area. How difficult is it, though, for an attorney such as yourself to find that video? Um, Is it something you have to make the call out for? Does it uh, kind of pop up and appear to people volunteer that information? Well, uh, it depends. If you have somebody who's friendly with a person who's uh, who they don't want to have charged, uh, they're not going to come forward with anything that might hurt that person's situation. On the other hand, you know, news outlets like yours are the ones that really put the message out there, and people will say, "Oh yeah, you know, I have I I I remember that. I have to be taking a picture. I have a surveillance camera in my business, or whatever." So the media really helps in that situation.
Yeah. And do you find, too, just in general, that people turn their cameras on for lots of different things that they're witnessing? Oh, boy. (laughs) There's no doubt about that. That's made such a, a big impact in what I do uh, and the prosecutors as well because it's a, it's like almost everything. Somebody has a camera somewhere uh, or just an audio recording on their cell phone. Uh, big difference now. That's 930 in 716. We're back tomorrow with another edition from the studios of WBEN Buffalo.